0: Baines Plus one. You're listening to Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines. The show where each week I have one notable guest from the world of TV and comedy and delve into their lives like Santa delving into his sack of presents. This week I had brilliant writer and comedian Viv Groskop. We talk about writing books, journalism, doing stand-up comedy for the WI and much more. Enjoy. It's time for Baines Plus One with Samantha Baines on Hoxton Radio. It's Baines Plus One on Hoxton Radio and she's here, the brilliant Viv Groskop.
1: Hello. Hello. Thanks for letting me be your plus one. (laughs) I, I thought it might be a bit more of a party, to be honest. Well, you um, are wearing
0: sequins. I'm excited. Yeah, I've given I, you a cup
1: of tea. I dressed up like a plus one should dress up. Thank you. But you know, no red carpet. <laughs> no. Well, it S- is a bit sticky, red. burgundy-ish. It's carpet. burgundy. We tried. But there's some there's some interesting male talent in the room. Oh. Yeah, so that's that's a a bit of a party vibe. No, no, I'm including all the male talent. He said (laughs) they're pointing at each other now. Like, no, (laughs) you stop it. I'm pretty desperate. I've got three kids. I've been married to the same man for 17 years. So don't get too flattered. (laughs) Well,
0: she's definitely here. Um, Thank you for
1: coming in.
0: What have you What have you been up to recently, apart from checking out the the talent? Well, I
1: have. I spend uh, since I started doing Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival every year. I spend most of the autumn being depressed and recovering from Edinburgh (laughs) because it's really exciting when you do a show every night in August and it's all really exciting. It's like the build up for your whole year is to do this show over the summer. And then in the autumn, it's all over and you spend a few nights maybe doing a rerun of that show. So I've been doing that um, in the West Country where I come from originally uh, and I've got a big show coming up at St James's Theatre in Victoria Brilliant. Uh, next week called Margot and Friends on Thursday night which has also got Al Murray um, which guesting which is amazing so um, sort of putting that show to bed really which is kind of sad but nice as well because then you get ready to start a new stuff in, in the new year so, so. Do, you, do you get bored of it or do you still love it um, no, I don't Edinburgh think you show. get bored of it because it's sort of your baby. Oh, I guess, you know, I was going to say, why would you get bored of your own baby? But I have three <laughs> children and I know that you can. Um, no, it's your thing. And if you get bored of it, I think it's sort of up to you to make it stay exciting. Because if you're bored, I think the audience can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love doing it. And the, the show I did this year was called, uh, was called Be More Margo and it's dedicated to the good life. And Margot better. that young people will be saying, what is this, what is this? It's like keeping up with the Kardashians, um, but with more caftans. And better Uh, acting. Yes, well, I don't, well, let's see, (laughs) let's see what they show us. Uh, Yeah, so that's been a really nice thing for me, because I grew up with that, and I absolutely love that sitcom, and to do a show that's a tribute to it. There's a big
0: revival of sort of old sitcoms at the moment, and I know during Christmas there's a lot of sort of your favourite ever sitcoms quiz things going out do you think uh, The Good Life deserves a bit of a comeback
1: oh I think The Good Life is the best I mean it's up with Only Fools and Horses in the top 10 of any most watched most loved I think beyond a certain age, people don't necessarily know what it is because mm. it was on air in the mid 1970s, and it hasn't really stood the test of time. So
0: I have to say, I only know what it is because of some reruns that my mum got yeah, excited so you're about. So young,
1: so young, <laughs> but sometimes. I love
0: it. And also, a lot of people say I look like Penelope. I am a bit like Penelope Keith. Actually,
1: which yeah. is a great compliment. Yes,
0: thank you. Uh,
1: but it's it's weird because when you go back to look at it, it actually embodies this real kind of Brexit britain that we're now going back into it's very class conscious uh, it's very sort of little england and it's really taking the mickey out of all of that and it's kind of fascinating to watch you know 40 years later how actually that is the england that a lot of people want to return to and it's kind of scary
0: <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know margot because obviously your show was be more margot the character from The Good Life. How would you describe well, her? Well,
1: Margot, for, for the younger listeners, she's a bit like Hyacinth Biquet in Keeping Up Appearances. Mm. So she's this matriarch character who's very posh and very intolerant. Um, her yeah, main, quite cutting at Yeah, times. very cutting. Her <laughs> main passion in life is having a gin and tonic and a vol at the right time every day which we can all sort
0: of relate to I feel yeah
1: and fielding all the tradesmen who are coming to visit her house and <laughs> you know, she has her Christmas delivered from Harrods and all that kind of thing so she's archetypal posh really in a in a way that I would have thought had sort of died out in British society and understanding but I think it's newly resurgent I mean Theresa May is Really, an archetypal Margot. Do you think she's Margot? She's totally Margot.
0: Margot's a bit more fun, though, isn't she?
1: I don't, Well, Margot's fun because she's a fictional character. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> if Theresa May turned out to be a fictional character, she would be hilarious. It
0: would be one of the top sitcoms. Maybe she sitcoms. is a
1: very elaborate performance mm. artist, actually. Let's hope.
0: Like Lee Nelson or something. Yeah,
1: that would be a nice it's surprise for out. 2017, wouldn't it? If Nigel Farage, Boris Johnson and Theresa May all said, hey guys, we're actually comedians. We're actually a sketch troupe. Our script was written by Steve Coogan.
0: Didn't you love it? We're taking our next show to the Edinburgh Bridge. <laughs> it's called Brexit how we ruined the UK no um, <laughs> well so you've enjoyed lots of success at the Edinburgh Fringe and we're going to be talking about your shows and journalism and your Al Murray show yes, and everything yes you can ask
1: me about anything you want I'm very excited including any personal problems you may have I'm not, I'm oh, not I'm like very excited anything you like um,
0: but first of all we need to do the quick fire round okay this is something we do with everyone um, I'll offer you an A or a B and you just and I'll make it really intense and you have to give me your answer
1: Okay, I'm going to
0: meditate. Okay, please do. It's Hoxton Radio.
1: Phase Plus One, Hoxton
0: Radio. She's here, the wonderful Viv Groskop. Hello. How 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 do you say your name, your surname?
1: Gro- uh, as little as possible. It's a very silly <laughs> name. Um, no, you've correctly pronounced it. It's Groskop, and it means fat head. Does it? Yes. Which is very attractive.
0: Wow. Where where does it originate from?
1: Um, it's well. Where I'll are your? It, Samuel, is it Russia? Is it in Russia? To this, this, this oh, is like a three-hour story. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, In a nutshell, I believed it was Russian for my whole life. And I dedicated myself to the study of the Russian language and also of the Russian gentleman for some time. Oh, Um, lovely. In an attempt to become fluent in Russian, I became so fluent in Russian that I could be mistaken for a Latvian. That's how serious it was. Wow. I lived in Russia. I worked for Russian Vogue for 10 years. Uh, I was well into it. And then uh, when I was in my mid-30s, we were contacted by a long lost relative in canada that nobody had known about it's called bob groskop which is an even more ridiculous <laughs> name than viv groskop i love it my uncle bob uh, and it turns out that we're actually from poland Wow! So I wasted my entire life. But you can speak Russian. Yeah, I speak oh, Russian. Oh, because someone yeah. has left me a
0: Russian comment on my Instagram. Oh. Can you translate it for <laughs> me? Cause... I don't know show what that me. means, but thank you. Okay. Show me the comment. Oh, great, I'll show it to you yeah, in the break, great. and then we'll let everyone know what happened. Okay,
1: it probably says, "Hello, I am a troll." <laughs> it probably says. You
0: are awful, I hate you, or something. <laughs> no, I went,
1: I'll make it up. And I just wish... I'll make it up if it says that. <laughs>
0: something wonderful. Um, right, it's time for your quickfire round. Okay. Are you Quick safely fire. meditated? I'm ready for
1: the quickfire. <laughs> OK.
0: You can do it in a Russian accent if you like. Okay. So here we go. Fifth gross cup is your quickfire round. Tea or coffee?
1: Coffee.
0: Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. Cats or dogs? Cats. Writing or comedy? Oh,
1: God. Comedy.
0: Early bird or night owl? Early bird. English or Russian?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Russian.
0: Car or train? Car. City or country? City. Pen or pencil? Pen. Chocolate or crisps?
1: Chocolate.
0: Half empty or half full? Half full. TV or radio?
1: TV.
0: Ketchup in the cupboard or in the fridge?
1: Cupboard always! Are <laughs> you <Okay. I'm> barbarians? <laughs> Adventurous
0: or cautious?
1: Adventurous. Jaffa cakes, are they cakes or biscuits? Biscuit.
0: You passed. Um, let's talk about ketchup. got some sick ideas I know those A's and B's. I think that ketchup should always be in the cupboard. I agree with you. Some people very strongly think it should be in the fridge. Discuss.
1: They are waiting for some kind of weird apocalypse, those people. <laughs> They're trying to prolong the life of the ketchup beyond all necessary prolongation of ketchup yeah. life.
0: It's, I, I feel like it's got so many chemicals in it. It's but never sure, gonna the worst
1: thing, I don't really mind where you store it. It's about the temperature of serving. Yes. Because it needs to go to room temperature.
0: Some people like it cold with a hot no, chip.
1: These they're not people. <laughs> they
0: I mean they're barely human. I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, so here we go you've got a little bit more time for these questions god is
1: this going on yeah sp- it's not it's no longer torture. quick
0: fire it's okay. just some questions that we ask everyone the one thing you couldn't live without
1: um my children I mean oh, that's why, what lovely am I? But, it's, but otherwise I'm condemning them to death well this is why these questions <laughs> are barbaric I'm sure I there'd mean, the be someone else who could look without, after you them you know my respiratory system yeah um a more frivolous answer, perhaps, um, salted caramel. Okay, mm, that's that's what you were looking for, that's wasn't it? What I was Not some kind for. of existential mm. dilemma, which is what I immediately went into.
0: Salted caramel is much more North London, which we love as North Londoners. Um, any secret habits or talents?
1: Oh, I wouldn't keep them secret because they could be monetised. Don't hide <laughs> any of your talents, anyone. Uh, uh, um, any current monetised talents? And my sort of, my, it's not notes. really a secret talent, it's a sort of secret wish is that I could be a really, really good singer, which I think okay. I am, but evidence of other people's reactions suggests not. Mm. I just think it might take them a while to come round. But my secret wish would be to be a singer on a cruise ship. That would be my really? actual goal. But unfortunately, I can't... I don't sing very well, sadly, in other people's view.
0: What would your cruise show look like?
1: It would look exactly like Jane MacDonald. OK, unfortunately, I Unfortunately, she got mm. there before me... Um, I love her. I've been to see her in concert seven times. Really, I love Jane I would so not have much. I expected
0: this from know, you, I but now her. you've said it. I see it. I know. I <laughs> totally love her. I see it in your so eyes. So that would
1: be my secret talent. But my singing is so bad. My sister's a really good singer, and she's in a, an amazing professional choir. She lives in Wales, where everybody sings yeah, amazingly. They do. Mm. And I went to a karaoke party that they hosted. And they just all treated it like the most brilliant X Factor audition ever. Yeah. And when I sang, they were all just falling on the floor and crying (laughs) because it was so bad and they thought it was so funny. That is the worst thing. It was awful. When you do karaoke
0: with people who can actually sing really well.
1: I know. It's not what it's about. Karaoke's not for that, is it? No. No. So I would like to be a really, really bad cruise ship singer. Wonderful. But there's, there's so few openings.
0: Yeah. Jane's got the all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> She's got it covered.
0: What makes you angry, Viv?
1: Oh, this... How long have you got? Uh, people sorry. who don't like you driving in the middle lane. I love driving in the middle lane. Okay. Do not... No, people are shaking their heads in the mm, studio. No. no. Precious the middle lane is the correct lane to drive in. <laughs> okay, I it's, don't drive, so... Right, this is correct. Uh, other things that make me angry... Admin, generally. Yep. I get disproportionately angry about admin. And, if you know, when people fill in... This is very similar to those things, when people fill in a form saying, you know, what's your greatest fear in life? Mm. My greatest fear in life is filling in a form. Okay. You know, to me, that is more painful than childbirth. What about I if I took the in form, a
0: form and I put it on the radio and then we filled in your answers?
1: I don't mind <laughs> I, I, talking to people I'm fine with. It's sitting down and yeah. filling in a form that I just
0: hate. I've been it. putting off my tax return yeah.
1: for a long
0: time. I haven't even sent don't my even receipts say to my. Um, what's your biggest guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Okay. Again, it's a bit like the secret talent. Let your talent out. Don't have any guilty pleasures. <laughs> what's your Why secret, would you feel your biggest guilty? proud
0: pleasure then?
1: Um, well, I mean, as I love Jane McDonald, and yeah. I love um, trying to think of things that people think you shouldn't love. You no, know, like I love loose women, and I love loose um,
0: women. Is that yeah? But you just love things associated with Jane, <laughs> Jane McDonald. That's true.
1: There, there is a through Sequence. through thread. We've reached the end of that thread, though, haven't we? Because pretty TV. much Jane has ever all she's ever done. Um, no, I I really like kind of quite trashy things, and okay. I don't believe that they should be disparaged just because they're trashy. I What's, love Radio Two. Is that trashy? I love Radio 2. Well, it's not trashy, but I think it's seen as being sort of a bit embarrassing and a bit middle aged. I mean,
0: I feel like Kiss. I won't accept it. Is a bit more trashy than Radio 2. I love To Kiss. confess to. Yeah, I love For Kiss. Jane
1: Simmons.
0: Everyone loves Kiss. Did you watch I the went program to the Kiss
1: Halloween Party? That's hardcore. Hello. Did you watch the great. program where he was the mentor and they, all these children were trying to be in a rock band and one of them was called The Emperor? No. Oh, I'll look it up for you afterwards because that is genius. If you one love of them Gene was Simmons. was called The Emperor. That was his rock name. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: And final question: What would your rock name be? Oh,
1: my rock name! (laughs) Well, the the Empress, okay, perhaps is quite a good one. And then I could do a duet with the Emperor, and we could be mentored by Gene Simmons. Put it live on
0: Hoxton Radio
1: for a cruise ship tour
0: (laughs) with Jane, yeah, uh, on backing. Baines Plus One. Hello, you're listening to Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines, and.
1: Me, Viv Crosscop, who is your plus one. There
0: you go. I let my plus one say their names and <laughs> everything. <a> they <laughs> get to
1: talk so on the generous. Radio. So generous.
0: Um, now, it's time for interview proper, Viv.
1: Okay. <laughs> I've just been a bit distracted looking at the tour dates for Jane McDonald's, <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's. two thousand and seventeen tour entitled The Making Memories Tour. Oh And I'm that's thinking lovely. I might go to the Blackpool Opera House. Wouldn't you want to see Jane? Oh at the wow, House? yeah. I'm I've so never, ready for that. I don't
0: think I've been to Blackpool ever. The Opera House? That'll be awesome. No.
1: Jane McDonald's in the Blackpool Opera House. A singing ball. a tribute to Silla Black. Yes. It doesn't get better.
0: Let's all book on now. Any Jane McDonald fans listening, do tweet us at Samantha Baines, at Hoxton Radio and at Fifth Cross Cop.
1: Yeah, please. Let's, let's all Friends chat about Jane.
0: Um, so interview proper, not about Jane. Right. We're putting her to one side for a second. Okay. Because we need to talk about you do lots and you do lots brilliantly. Which I I'm like. not gonna contradict that. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to I personally would have said on. that but you know. <laughs> so you're you're quite a prolific uh, writer and journalist. And is that what started everything off for you?
1: I love it when people say this, because I always think when they say, oh, you've done lots of things and you're so prolific, it's like saying, you've done loads and loads of things, but none of them have really worked that well and none of them have been particularly significant. No, um, your writing which is, is true so significant. Well, I have, I have done a lot of different things. I started out as a journalist. Well, I started out as an editor, actually, because, you know, we were talking before about secret talents and don't hide your talents yes. away. Well, I was very much of that whole sort of... Don't do the thing you really want to do because you're scared of it. So I started out as an editor um, on ma- magazines and newspapers. I used to work on Esquire magazine, and then I worked on I worked on the Daily Express. Wow, which is awful, and that was before <laughs> it became really awful. I mean, this is like 20 years ago when it was actually a left-wing newspaper. Unbelievably, I know so what you're young saying young is it's not your fault. Um, well, no, it, what's happened now is definitely <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> Um, but then it was it was still a pretty awful place to work, but it wasn't quite as bad as it is now. But okay. it was quite close. So I did that. And then um, I actually got made redundant from The Express, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was going uh, In my mid-twenties. And I went freelance. And I thought, I'll go freelance for six months and see how, how it goes. And started to write for people I really wanted to write for and started to write what I really wanted to write. And, you know... 15 years later here I am and then eventually all of that led to me in my mid 30s, sort of 10 years after that thinking that what I really, really wanted to do was comedy and performing Mm. and then having the guts to go out and and try that So lots of people talk about your writing voice, do you think you have one, how do you find it? Um, I was (coughs) going to say yeah, lots of people do talk about that and they're all a bit silly Um, I... I know what people mean when they talk about writing voice, but it is a, I think it's a, quite pretentious and it's another way of mystifying the writing process and making it seem like it's something that other people do. Um, your your do writing you think- should just express whatever you want to express in the way that only you can express it. And if that's voice, then great, but you don't have to call it anything, just write. And did you do you think
0: you expressed yourself straight away or do you think it took a while to kind of you
1: know there's so many different kinds of writing and especially now that you know I'm sure people notice themselves you write in a different way on Facebook to the way that you'd write in an email to the way that you'd write a letter to your boss or something saying that you're resigning Mm. or something like that Um, but when I've worked as a journalist yeah you write in your own voice and you write what you want to write but you also tailor it for, for the publication and for the audience but the more established you get, I think the more freedom you have to write whatever you want to write. And I feel like I've kind of got that now.
0: And what's your favourite thing to write about? Because obviously you do a lot of TV reviews. My favourite you...
1: thing to write about is slacking off Downton Abbey. That's okay. probably been my happiest. Uh, I didn't think it would be the happiest part of my whole <laughs> career. But I loved it. I ended up, because um, I've always written quite a lot for The Guardian, mm. and they were expanding their tv coverage because young people weren't listening to hoxton radio won't believe this but there used to be sort of one tv review a week Ah. written by one person and they would choose one program (laughs) that they would write about so they actually quite late in the day expanded a lot of their tv coverage and started pretty much reviewing everything And it was... uh, Downton Abbey was one of the first that was a review blog. So every single episode, you could go online and there would be a huge piece dissecting it and then a massive community of sometimes thousands of people... All saying what they thought about it and that's so actually So did you hate every episode? Um, in the, well I started blogging it in the beginning because I thought it was really good. Okay good. You know, because the first series was it. surprisingly good mm. and quite a lot of money went into it and it was all very exciting because we hadn't had something like that since Brideshead revisited. It was like a real, I mean it's, it is a huge commercial success. It's one of the biggest and gone all over the world. British successes you know of the last 20 years in television terms. It's made an absolute fortune. It's sold in over 150 territories, It's huge in China, and um, people in China have started hiring butlers because they want to be like in downtown. It's, <laughs> it's mad. So it's become one of our biggest exports. So in the beginning, it was it was very interesting, and it was sort of dramatically interesting. And almost kind of historically interesting as well, but then, and then it just took a ter- terrible turn. Um, and th- the real turn it took uh, was when Dan Stevens, uh, who played Cousin Matthew, if yeah. you remember, mm. uh, he he developed uh, incurable paralysis uh, and was debilitated. He was never going to walk again. And then, towards the end of the second series, he felt a tingle. <laughs> And it was all coming back, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, suddenly I can walk again!" And that was the moment when you realised, "Oh, actually, this is a bit silly." But then didn't he die? Yeah, yeah, then he died in a car crash. Spoiler alert! Yeah, then he died in. He managed to because his tingle had returned. He managed to father a child. Do you uh, think he
0: was like, "I want to leave. I don't want to leave. I want to leave." Oh,
1: well, I think Dan Stevens very. Uh, and I've interviewed him as an actor. He doesn't admit to this, but I think he consciously wanted to go before he became solely associated with the programme. Anyway, so then it went on for another four series after that. (laughs) And uh, it just became hilarious. The the thing I loved most about it is that every scene lasts about three seconds long. If you watch it, you'll realise that once I've said it. I've ruined it for you now, haven't
0: I? Please don't well, I've I've seen it all and okay. I've just loved it, so I feel like I'm not okay. gonna rewatch it because I want to keep the memory alive. Okay. Have you reviewed episode four of The Crown?
1: Oh, no, um, I haven't watched... Any- oh, yes, I do know that you're in it, aren't you? Yes, because I've seen... Because I'm hoping for a nice little yes, bit.
0: Normally, um, I'm just referred to as poor Venetia's flatmate.
1: Okay, well, I'll who have comes to check to this a out. to bad um, end. I've been waiting to binge watch The Crown because okay. I know that once I start it...
0: I'm scared of your, of your review.
1: Well, no, I think the Crown is probably very good from okay. everything this time. Well, it heard. is season
0: one, and you love season one of Downton Abbey, exactly. Yeah, so. you're safe in season one. Thank you. Yeah, and safe. I, well, no spoilers, but I won't be back in season two. Oh, um, okay. For a reason that will become clear when you watch episode four of the Crown. Oh. So, so things all kicked off. You know, writing for you. But then you started stand up and you actually wrote a book about it.
1: Yes, so I came to stand up pretty late in life, really, in that I was in my mid to late 30s and I was still working as a journalist and I wanted to continue that, but I was getting a bit disillusioned with it and wanting to try something new. And I started to do stand-up and I fell in love with it, although I was absolutely hopeless. And my first gig, (laughs) um, somebody said, oh, you really remind me of Victoria Wood. And I started crying because I was so happy. And then they said, oh, no, it's just that you look a bit like her. You're not funny. So it started like that. Um, But I very quickly realised... How difficult stand up is, and the way to get good at it is to immerse yourself in a kind of insane workaholic way. You know, that is how people get good. You don't just appear overnight and be amazing. I mean, that's how it, it seems from the outside. There's so much work goes into really good stand up. So I realized if I went on at the rate I was going, that it would take me about 80 years. And so I decided to shrink the process and do 100 gigs in 100 consecutive nights so that I would have this kind of petri dish, you know, of experience to look at in three month period. And I kept a diary of it and that turned into a book. Uh, And that was an amazing experience. And at the beginning of it, I was prepared to get to the end of it and knock it on the head and say, I've given this a go. Thank you and good night. Um, I'll go back to just looking like Victoria Wood. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh, But by the end of it, I really thought, actually, I love this and I feel like I have something I need to say. I want to develop this. And and it just went on from there, and that was five years ago.
0: Yeah, so the book is I Laughed, I Cried, One Woman, 100 Days, The Mother of All Challenges. And it it went down incredibly well. Uh, And obviously, you've stuck at it. What do you think... Is the biggest difference for you between being writing, being a journalist, and doing stand-up comedy and writing for yourself?
1: Well, one is one is a job, in a way, although it's not really a job. Being a journalist, is it? Uh, And one is we get paid for it. Yeah. Well, you should get paid for your comedy. Yeah. So they're both jobs. (laughs) Um, But one is a job, and one is more like a one is something that other people ask you to do and facilitate. Like you can't really be a journalist. I guess you can now online. You can do but a blog. From this generation that I came from, mm. you, uh, somebody had to give you a job as a journalist. Whereas in comedy, you you have to set out to prove that you're worthy of your space. There, yeah. that's the difference.
0: That's actually what I love about doing stand-up. Coming from a sort of acting background, is that I can just go and do it and I don't yeah. have to rely on anyone it, well, else. Well, it is a
1: bit like the difference between being an actor and a comedian. You know, mm. In acting, you have to wait for someone to give you a job. You know, Whereas comedy, you go out and you do it. And how do you go about writing your comedy? Is it very different from how you go about writing an article? Yeah, it is really. I mean, I tend to uh, take notes of things that I've thought of or something I think is amusing, and then I just end up remembering to say it or not remembering, and... And it all sort of snowballs. Once you've got five, your five minutes, you start with your five minutes, and then you just sort of expand on that.
0: But now you started doing Edinburgh. You're doing a whole new hour every year. Yeah. How, is there any advice that you'd give anyone who's, you know, maybe not got the writing experience that you have that well, uh, they can sit down and this write? A not a very
1: useful advice for the young people because they might not like <laughs> this. But my secret, my secret weapon is the Women's Institute. Okay. Uh, because the, one of the biggest problems for getting an hour of material together and trying stuff out on people is finding audiences for that. Mm. Because obviously you can get you get booked for comedy in UMC and that's your paid work, but you can't just turn up at that and start sort of workshopping a new 10 minutes or talking through half-baked ideas, which mm. is really, it's talking through half-baked ideas that gets you towards something that you can actually write and craft and make it really good. And for me... Uh, the WI has been crucial because I, I just book in to do an evening with the WI they, and there'll be sort of 60, 70 people there. They're not necessarily a natural comedy audience. Some of them may hate comedy, but you have to entertain them for an hour and that is pretty much how so I've worked up what? my
0: show. So are you a WI member? No,
1: I'm not. No. So you just contact them and say... Yeah, you, they're looking for speakers all of the time and usually their speaker is somebody talking about marigolds. The gloves, or the flowers. so um, or it's you know somebody comedy or like, somebody oh saying you know here's how to grow your own herbs, uh, and they think oh I love this. a lady comedian that will
0: be interesting. I mean, I'm taking this tip.
1: Yeah, well, I I did about fifty in the first year that I did it, and I did about thirty just last all year. around the country. Yeah, all around the country. There's loads in London. There's a Shoreditch Sisters. I've done them, as it were.
0: They sound great.
1: Um, yeah. I want to so, join
0: <laughs> and just come to yours and yeah, then be Isla, like, "Please oh, come." I do need to write my show too, yeah, but
1: it is tough. It is a tough audience. Yeah, yeah, but
0: useful for workshopping.
1: They usually give you some cake, though. That's quite <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> lovely,
0: lovely. Um, any, any, and any top tips for any writers, any journalists thinking of getting into the, you know, what, what would be your number one? Have you been given a piece of advice or something oh, you've learned along the way?
1: This is a very good question, Samantha Bates. It is. I really struggle with this because I often get because I've been I've been working in journalism for more than 20 years Mm. now I'm a very old person and I really struggle with people asking me this or saying will you come and talk to our school or our students or whatever about how da, da, da. it has changed so much yeah it's changed like year on year month to month now it changes so much and i don't feel like uh, it, with my experience i could tell people who are 18 or 20 or whatever what to do because i i would say if you ask me now well call BuzzFeed, go work for BuzzFeed. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have told you that five years ago because it didn't exist. Well, say if you're
0: pitching an article, what do you think is the most important thing in an article pitch? If you were, you know, you've worked as an editor and and obviously you pitch a lot as a freelancer. Yeah,
1: one of the most important things is to be able to show people that you can write. So you need to be able to show them what you've already done. Okay. And that doesn't necessarily have to be in a published place. You know, you could just have your own blog that's really interesting. So I think, yeah, curate your own interests. Write about the stuff you want to write about. Don't write long things. Write 600 words maximum. Very few people can write more than about 600 words. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, you really need to be able fits. to hold somebody's attention to write more than that. So write short and write often. And that way, you know, the pitch, yeah, the idea's got to be good enough. But, you know, they, might, exactly they might steal that. your idea and give it to one of their staff anyway. So, well, it's so, true. Show, them it's true. so show them that you're good. Excellent, excellent
0: advice. We'll be back with more from Viv after this. You're listening to Baines Plus One with Samantha Baines on Hoxton Radio. You are listening to Hoxton Radio. It's Baines Plus One. It's time for the news, hence the
1: newsy music.
0: Here are the headlines with Viv Scroscop.
1: Size matters to most men. Chill out. Stop whining. It's not just my spidey sense that's tingling. What's in a name? A whole lot of free advertising, apparently. And return to sender somewhere. Those are the headlines.
0: Uh, as always, we bring you the most important news. I think
1: people are going to be day. worried that the world has come to an end <laughs> if those are the headlines. Don't worry, we do it every week. They're okay. used to
0: it. Um, I, I like to bring the light-hearted side of the news. Because the news can be quite depressing, but important to watch on TV. So I feel like on this show, we're going to bring you the stories you might not hear about. Yeah, there's might be entertained not, there's by.
1: It's not that much about Aleppo. No, in, in this. Not episode, so much. Really, no. Not really
0: the brief. Um, so weird segue into size matters to most men. So this is Lucas, a tech blogger and data enthusiast. Oh, sounds like his Tinder profile. And um, he's decided to crunch the numbers on some studies that he's found across the world that men can't be relied upon when it comes to estimating their own penis size. Apparently, they're all slightly biased on telling researchers how big or small they might be. And he found out, according to compiling data and the results of size studies across the world, he insisted... uh, and, And he found out that people overestimate by about an inch on average, when erect. <laughs> and he's insisted he's not obsessed with people's nether regions. He's just a graph enthusiast. He, he said, to repeat, I don't care about your dicks. I only care about clicks and plotting data. Sure. Uh, his, his graph on his study has gone viral. It's been featured in national newspapers and it's on the front page of the Data is Beautiful forum. He created for it he's an amateur in the field of uh, nether region analysis and he just made the graph for fun he said and he's he did point out however which is very scientific the data is not all equally robust uh, so there we go if if you're asking a partner or loved one if how how big the size of their junk is because i know viv you love that term for it uh, they might be overestimating
1: by up to an inch do you want me to comment on this news story? <laughs> have you? Yeah. Alleged, alleged news alleged story. Alleged news story. I find this so offensive. Like this, and I'm just looking up actually online how many places have reported this. And are not that many but there are a few, Daily Star, Metro, big surprise. I, I, You know, this is a story about somebody who doesn't even have a surname. Lucas. Lucas. A tech blogger. Mm. Like what is he, the Madonna of penis grafts? <laughs> I mean, this is just ridiculous. And, There is no scientific basis to any of this. Well, he's taken data from study. He just likes data. No, he doesn't. He just (laughs) likes creating memes, I think, is what this is really about. It's so pointless and ridiculous, and we could have told them this anyway, couldn't
0: we? I mean, yeah. It's not... The results aren't a shock.
1: But... And it's so ridiculous. If you really did want to prove that men lie about their penis size, then you would have to measure every single one wouldn't you and that's going to take ages yeah
0: and how you know how do you scientifically do that you'd have to come up with like exactly the point that you measure it from and to
1: and also who cares <laughs> Who cares? But maybe
0: poor Lucas, tech blogger, is just trying to make the world of data seem a little bit more exciting.
1: No, he's released badness into the world. You know, with but this. normally all
0: he has to look up are, you know, the the ages of people who click on a certain button on a website. Like maybe he's just trying to be like, guys, data can be fun too. Just
1: to give people a mental picture of what Lucas has actually created. <laughs> it is a graph, it's a graph that creates a picture that looks like a penis. Yeah. that's all he's really done this for I mean, no, my, my 13 husband... year old son could have done this <laughs> he, in fact he, that probably is what he is doing in his bedroom is his name Lucas he's quite, he's, it, no it's, it's his pen name
0: um, <laughs> my husband is a data analyst and he probably would enjoy this article although he will pick out the faults of the data analysis Um, So there we go, if you're interested in seeing a graph that looks like a penis.
1: It gives data and penises a bad name.
0: (laughs) Penises already have many bad names, including junk. Chill out, stop whining. A beauty marketing person by day, blogger by night, has worked out how to turn water into wine, apparently. Her trick is simple but could be life-changing. Claire just filled the water tray inside the fridge with a bottle of white and watched as it dispensed icy white wine, the other side. Uh, It's it's quite a handy life hack, isn't it? Uh, It seems quite obvious, but people are very astounded and thankful on the internet. Someone's tweeted, after a year of pain, Claire is the undisputed hero of 2016. You should have got Time Person of the Year
1: with this idea instead of Donald Trump. Um, What... Utterly demented. Again, (laughs) again, this is a story about (laughs) a person with no surname. Claire... A newspaper article about Claire. Just Claire. Again, you know, Claire We've got her Twitter handle, at I Like Tweet. At I Like Tweet. Like, that's not a bot. And (laughs) I love one. One of the headlines for this is, Woman ingeniously hacks her fridge to dispense wine. Hacks her fridge. It's a bit like, you know, woman works out how to chill wine. Yeah, but... I see
0: what you're saying here. But useful.
1: Soon people are going to say that it's a life hack to get some cold water from your kettle. Oh, bless you. Wow, that was a big sneeze that was from the Hoxton <laughs> that Radio studio. People are going to say it's a life hack to get water from your kettle, cold water, by not boiling it. Crazy life hack, guys. <laughs> Just don't boil your kettle. You'll get cold water.
0: Yeah, but you know lots of people do put ice cubes in wine because they want it to be cold. So if you've got ice cube wine... What's the problem
1: with getting some wine in advance and putting it in your fridge? Oh my God! Yeah, but sometimes
0: you don't have room in the fridge. Like Christmas, I don't have room in the fridge. I do have room in the ice tray.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm coming back
0: at you here, Viv, with this right, one. Well, you know, clearly I like you it. and
1: Claire would have a great yeah, time
0: Me and Claire are going out on the town with some ice cubes. Yeah,
1: I would rather drink <laughs> warm wine than be part of this life would you? hack. Wow.
0: Well, yes. I can't have white wine, though. It makes me angry. Can you do it with red? You wouldn't want cold red wine. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know so I was angry. saying earlier
1: that journalism is dead. Well, yeah. here you go. This is no, <laughs> this
0: is just a different brand of journalism, isn't it? This
1: is all reported in newspapers. I've been checking it mm. online. It's all reported in multiple so-called news sources. Yes.
0: That's where we found uh, it's not just my spidey sense that's tingling. Ten firefighters were called to help catch a Brazilian wandering spider after it was found in a shipping container. Police sealed off the area after customs officials in Bremerhaven, northwest Germany, called them to say they'd found the deadly arachnid during a routine customs check. Uh, the spider's venom will kill in minute amounts, causing a lingering death from paralysis, with the victims often sporting... Erections caused by the toxin as they die in agony. Oh, now we got the <laughs> <for> the story. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's lied about the size of um, <laughs> it, the, the Brazilian wandering spider. Is in the Guinness World Book of Record, Guinness Book of World Records as the most venomous spider, and uh, it's, its venom is the most toxic. Antivenoms that are available are very effective, and therefore, a relatively few bite fatalities.
1: Again this is not a really a story. Some firefighters have Yeah, but imagine the scene for a tiny
0: spider. I think no, it's quite know I know it's a deadly tiny. spider.
1: Well, it's
0: no spiders it, are the size of humans except in Harry Potter. It doesn't
1: say how rare this spider is. Does no. It? Or where it might have come from.
0: It will it Oh, it's just one The only reason this is a, a story container. is
1: because they want people reading the story to imagine one of the firefighters being bitten by it and getting a massive erection whilst at work. <laughs> that is the only reason. No, this is I story. think it's
0: quite funny if you were like walking past, there was a shipping container open, like
1: firefighters, police, they've
0: conjured off the area, and you're like, Oh my goodness, what's happened? And you know there's always those crowds waiting to see what's going on. And then they come out with a tiny box with a spider in it. Everyone would be like, oh.
1: Yeah, that's quite good. I like that. And idea. And lots of lots
0: of firemen being scared of a, a tiny spider. I mean, yes, it's oh, venomous, yeah. venomous and could kill, but I quite like that idea. I I'm bringing, know. I'm shining to light some light into Viv's life, one story at a time. <laughs>
1: I've never had someone who's I'm, been so I'm annoyed with our to news before. Take out a subscription to The Economist <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> okay.
0: You're welcome, The Economist. Okay, two more. What's in a name? A whole load of free advertising, apparently. I think we, I think we might have worked this one out already, but basically, a super deluxe who was some sort of marketing company, um, explained that Starbucks employees absolutely do know how to spell your name and they're just misspelling your name deliberately as a sneaky way to get free advertising because then obviously we take pictures of it and we put it on social media and we say, oh my God, they spell my name like this and it's not even that. Um, Because millions of people share the misspells on Instagram and Facebook and obviously it's not a close-up photo of the name, it's the entire cup.
1: Did, had yeah, we worked this one is, out well, already? Is, this isn't news, is it? This is people know this, and I don't think it is deliberate either. I think it's just they just write it whatever but they sometimes say. Sometimes they're so wrong. But I don't. Like, you'll
0: be like Alan, and they put Patricia. Really? Yeah. Some like my friend got a weird one. I think sometimes they do do it deliberately, and sometimes it is just a misspelling. Yeah. Also, do we need the name? We know what the order is. Just say chai latte with soy milk.
1: But it's, oh God, we are Radio Hoxton, aren't we? Um, I'm, I'm Darian Tonneran and okay. I like chai. Okay, good. You're in the right place, Samantha. I don't have coffee. Um, this, but it is all, what we have to be honest about is that this is all generation narcissism, isn't it? It's, I want to have my coffee the way I want it, with my name on it, how no one else can have it. And I want to take a picture of it and put it on my Instagram. Now, I'm not necessarily criticising that because I could personally do that. In fact, I have done it when my name, Viv, has been given on my Starbucks cup as Sue. Yeah, see, that um, is so different. But I don't know, you could mis- mishear it if I was a bit slurry, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Were
0: you drunk at the time? But, but we Audrey. have to
1: admit that we are narcissistic and that now marketing techniques appeal yeah. to our narcissism. But sort of underhand,
0: What they have to be a bit sneaky. If someone's like, do this, then we won't do it.
1: Do you think people should start saying, can you only write my name on the cup if you're going to spell it correctly?
0: Yeah. But I quite like I think we've worked this out already but I quite like that there's an article about it because it means that people, you know, we might not tweet it now because we'll be like, well, I don't want to give them extra promo. I might just say I it. think
1: I think they'll stop doing it soon because it's it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick that's yeah. had its moment and so next it'll be something else. Like it changes color when you touch it or something. Oh, back to the penis oh, story. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: mood cups, not moon cups. Yeah. Mood cups. If, mood if
1: cups. Starbucks do that, then they'll have to credit me because i Okay. It, yeah, now. I do
0: like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm your witness. And finally, return to sender somewhere. I like this one, Uh, although I don't think you should try it at home. But if you are too lazy or unable to find an address for someone you know and you still want to post them a letter, uh, you can just provide your postman with incredibly vague details on how to get to them and it might work. So this is an example from Suffolk. Uh, A former colleague managed to send a couple in Lowstoft a Christmas card with the instruction, somewhere near the sea in Suffolk. It was addressed to Tony and Sarah Wren, but Tony's full name is Anthony, apparently. So uh, it's quite remarkable that it got there. The sender was obviously aware of the challenge. He'd set the Royal Mail, adding at the bottom, good luck with that postie. (laughs) It took four days to reach them, but they did get it. Uh, Because apparently they moved in 2013 and they had sent out their new address and the Christmas cards. Uh, But some of the cards must have gone missing. I love the description of, like, why they didn't have their new address. We don't care. I think that that is... We had so many bad stories about the Royal Mail. I think that's quite a nice one.
1: It is a, it's a good to have a good news story about the Royal Mail, yeah. especially as they're going to go on strike oh. and not be able to deliver any mail to anybody, whether it's got an address on or not. And then we'll be but sent. I would add to this if you are either too lazy or just unable to find an address, don't send it. Yeah. I love the commitment of they were yeah, like, just like, give it a go. Yeah, you are not ready to participate <laughs> in this process.
0: Is one of the basics of sending it's and a bit receiving mail. Like, you
1: if you're unable to speak, don't initiate a conversation. You know, well, you, you
0: could do sign language. If
1: you don't have somebody's address,
0: yeah, don't, don't send them send a letter. Them letter.
1: Just send them an e
0: Christmas card.
1: Yeah, or just
0: say Happy Christmas to them in person next time you see them.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Although I do like that. I mean, I feel like I want to try it. <laughs> I want to send a letter just with really vague. Should we try and post each other something with really vague instructions?
1: Samantha near the chai latte.
0: (laughs) With soy milk. (laughs) And her name is probably spelt wrong on the cup. Um, Those are the stories of the week. Very painful for Viv. Very enjoyable for me. We'll be back with more (laughs) after this. Poem of the week. It is time for Poem of the Week on Hoxton Radio on Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines, and my special guest, Viv Groskop. Hello. Hi. I've eaten a whole mince pie and my mouth's gone all festive. Good for you. <laughs> so you've written me a poem this week, thank I you I have, much.
1: I'm quite proud of it. Are you? Yeah.
0: I'm very excited to I hear think it.
1: poetry is very important in our society.
0: Do you, uh, do you often write a poem?
1: I don't, Pen? no, so I've been very glad of the challenge.
0: When was the last time do you think you were involved in poetry?
1: Oh, I, oh this is a bit of a bad, the story that paints me in a bad light actually. Excellent. I wrote a poem when I was at school about a tree And I decided that I would write it in the most pretentious, ridiculous way imaginable. I really wish I could remember the poem (laughs) because it was just called Tree and it won the school poetry competition. Wow. And it made me so cynical. Because I just thought, well, I wrote it as a joke. You know, I wrote it to show how ridiculous and pretentious poetry is, and then it won the poetry competition.
0: Wow! So you wrote a poem parody, but it won a normal.
1: That's so dark, isn't it? Isn't that awful? So I, you as a young
0: child, just being so like, (laughs) I'm going to write a parody. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but then being so talented that you won—that's hilarious. Well, it
1: it it wasn't good for me as a person, and it wasn't good for poetry.
0: Well, I know. So hope... until
1: today, I've retired, but now this is my big comeback. I and hope this time, this is... I've approached it seriously, not cynically. Not... Okay. I've, I've taken the, the art form seriously this time. Wow. Thank you mm. for your respect. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Shall we hear it? Yeah. What, what's it called? This poem is entitled Festive Joy. That's even before I knew that you would have Festive Joy in your mouth. <laughs> so it's. already so... has like a telepathic element. This Exciting. Poem. Here we festive go. Festive Joy. Season's greetings, Samantha Baines. To journey here to you today has caused me considerable pains. (laughs) Next time, please ensure there are more trains. Or else against you, I will mount considerable legal claims. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thank you. That's the poem of the week. I mean, it is quite Suey. Yes. And I And fe- not actually, the name that was on your cup, yeah, I mean like having, suing me. Having known as well that you experienced a far worse journey to get here than I yeah. did, I did feel quite bad about my poem. <laughs> because <laughs> but I you still didn't change it. Experienced minimal <laughs> disruption to okay. my journey. I
0: mean I'm sorry, on behalf of the rail network and Hoxton Radio and myself that you experienced such difficulty
1: thank you you. your apology means nothing to me
0: (laughs) sorry for the delay this may have caused (laughs) in your service um okay well that's i feel reprimanded um so here's my poem uh it's it's not very festive it is right at the end but it's called uh, married and clueless (laughs) it's about my life here we go married and clueless when you get married you become a love guru single friends in their masses turn to you i'm sorry but i don't know what he means in that text or where you should take him on a date next truth is i didn't snare anyone at all it just happened and he was fun and we had a ball we fell in love but i've no idea how and yes we argue then and now tinder looks fun all that swiping left and right i can't tell from her photo if she'll snore all through the night and if she does will it really matter you'll get earplugs and ignore The clatter. It's hard to advise when I don't have the answers. I'm no longer in the pool of dating freelancers. I know it's not that useful and really annoying, but we need to hear from someone who's employing. Someone will just, something will just click and you'll think they're nice. Don't listen to anyone, is my advice. We all have opinions, but you know what works for you someone who loves you and who you love too. I wish this for you and for all of my friends. My relationship ain't perfect, but we are best friends. But enough of the soppiness. It must be the time of year. Let's down some mulled wine and eat ourselves silly with good cheer. That's my poem. Wow. Deep, huh?
1: It was quite long. Yeah. Really? I Sometimes mean, they
0: get longer than others. Sometimes yeah. it just flows. There
1: was a lot of content there. <laughs> Is this your feedback? A lot you of You are content. the scariest.
0: <laughs> a lot of content I, means I hated it, your but it was very full.
1: unexpected use of the word employing.
0: Thank you. That
1: was unexpected. Mm. Um,
0: Tried to throw in a little not, literary curveball. Yeah,
1: it was great. No, and I, I felt that... There was something very heartfelt in it of you being quite angry with your friends. Yeah. Because, and I agree with the sentiment in your poem as well, as a fellow married person, yeah. that the only type of marriage you know about is a marriage to the person that you're married to. Yeah. So you can't help any of those people, Can really. People ask
0: me for advice all the time, but I know you're an agony aunt, but I, I, I've got none.
1: Well, that's they mustn't mistake <laughs> marriage to your husband as marriage to anyone anyone or relationship even with anyone yes
0: I find it a very difficult position to be in because I want to help but I'm absolutely no help
1: I'm slightly worried that you've only been married a while a few months even is that right and you're already saying we're best friends we've been together for six years usually people say that after about 70 years (laughs) we've Um, been together for six years okay that's our equivalent of 70 okay well I don't want to make it awkward so I'll say that's fine (laughs) um,
0: Yeah, we're best friends who, like, don't touch or love each other or have sex anymore. Is that, that's normal, right?
1: that's some people's version of marriage. (laughs) If that's yours, that's another poem. Oh, don't you worry, (laughs) Viv.
0: I have a very active sex life. And I can say that because I know none of my family are listening today. Um, Although my first stand-up comedy set was heavily sexual. Really? About my personal experiences. Both my parents saw it and my sister oh
1: how was that
0: so I quite enjoyed the freedom of it
1: yeah I know you did but what about them (laughs) I think it was enlightening
0: anyway we'll be back with more probably non-sexual chat with Viv after this Baines Plus One you are listening to Baines Plus One with me Samantha Baines and the marvellous Viv
1: Plus Cop
0: there she is. Is that my name?
1: <laughs> that yeah. is
0: your name. We were so excited about finding Jane McDonald on Twitter at the Jane McDonald yeah. that um, we forgot that we were on the radio. Um, Viv, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, it's been a great pleasure to be here. Um, and what's what? What can we expect from you next? oh you know other than your wonderful Christmas show with crazy, Al Murray craziness
1: craziness is what you can expect <laughs> craziness.
0: Um, will you be going to Edinburgh next year
1: uh, I don't know yet I think I will go to Edinburgh but I don't know in quite what form yet because I've got to write a book um, I've got a yes, book I've, I'm I've writing seen a book this. at the moment um, tell us all well the, I can't tell you anything about it at okay. the moment actually um, It doesn't mean that it's completely fictitious and in my own imagination. It does exist as an entity. Um, But it's something I've been working on for a really long time and trying to get off the ground and it's finally happened. So that's probably going to be my 2017.
0: And this is your second book, is it? Yeah, this is my second book, yeah. And so how... Because there's been a bit of a gap between the two.
1: Well, my last book, the paperback, was out last year, so... You know, you usually do one version oh, of I it, it like a hardback, hardback and then you do a paperback a year later. Okay, and then there's kind of been a year gap. Yeah, whilst I've been trying to get this other project off the ground. So,
0: how long does it normally does it take to? I don't know. I've never well, it's anything
1: from you know, you know, the novelist Donna Tart who wrote The Secret History, amazing book. You know, yeah. she spends ten years on a book. That's quite. Um, but you know, some people time. will spend three weeks. You know, you, I've I recently read about an amazing uh, novel. I've totally forgotten what it's called, unhelpfully. Where she said she'd carried it in her head for five years, but then wrote it in a month. Wow! So it's only, it's it's whatever. Really? How long
0: have you been carrying this in your head? I have
1: been carrying this in my head for fifteen years, actually. Have yeah. you? Wow! And I've tried to sell it numerous times, and it's sort of finally. But now's the time.
0: Yeah. But we know the title, don't we? Because it's on your agent's website.
1: Oh, you might do. Yes, I think. Yeah, you might do. To, are you allowed? To no, no. It should, okay, we're not going to say another. Well, it also <laughs> says 2018. Cares, really? No, it will be is next that year. The, yeah, it will
0: be next year. It would be 2017. Yeah. I was going to say, is it difficult to have a deadline, or do you find it useful? Like, you know, obviously oh, yeah, being I a journalist, as well. you have
1: to have a deadline. Otherwise, you'd never do anything. And if you don't have a deadline, you should set yourself a fake deadline. <laughs>
0: Yes, to yeah. help you work. And, and how does it differ for you, writing a whole book to writing less than well, 600 I, words? I
1: think you have to chunk it, you know, so you have to, it's not, you, you can't think, oh, now I've got to sit down and write 80,000 words. Mm. Um, you've got to write, you know, 500 to 1,000 words on a regular basis and just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it.
0: So how do you do it? Do you do it daily?
1: I try and do some work on it every day. Yeah, but some of that is research and some of that's writing and some of it's rewriting and editing. So what's Oh, it's very arduous,
0: <laughs> So hard it's writing my history. own book. I love it. So what's what's the end kind of goal for you? Do you have an end goal? Do you have a path my that you've got in mind? My end goal
1: is a joint tour with Jane McDonald's. <gasps> Possibly wow. of uh, book tour canal barges because the cruise ship <laughs> thing is just a bit over. That's my end goal:
0: a book tour or a singing tour. No, because hasn't she singing. released? Well, some she sort. would
1: sing, and I'm going to play the tambourine. Okay. Yeah. Has she released a book? This what we've done on Twitter today. I feel is the first step on this road. I'm so glad that
0: yeah. I could be a part. Um, of Jane it.
1: has had several books. I think. I think she's had several autobiographies. Have you I read think them? She'll ha- has You'll find she's had a very interesting life. Yes, I have read many have many accounts of her life.
0: You could be a ghostwriter on the next one.
1: I, I don't think an artist as <laughs> significant as Jane needs a ghostwriter. Do you
0: think she writes it all herself? I
1: believe she does.
0: Have you ever ghost written for anyone?
1: Um, actually I have <gasps> but I I cannot say who. I'm it's so really excited. not very exciting um, but from yeah from the world really, of comedy. No 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 it's not uh, it Is I did it, it serious? a long time ago it was serious and it made me realize I didn't want to be a ghostwriter. Is it
0: yeah it, it must be weird cuz obviously you do stand up and you obviously write as a journalist under your own name you're going to have two books out was it weird
1: writing on someone else's well, is it like
0: doing some work in the office yeah, and then someone else taking credit be, for well, it
1: basically ghostwriting is a bit like interviewing someone but all of the interview bits get taken out so it's kind of a transcript really but you edit it okay so it's completely different to any other kind of work that you would do. And it doesn't really feel like your work because it's someone else's words. So what? They
0: sort of dictate to yeah, you. Yeah, that's
1: how ghostwriting works. Okay. Is that you, people get. Yeah, but
0: I'm sure some ghostwriters actually write the thing.
1: Well, it's very difficult to write it without the other person having spoken it to you. Because mm. you can't just make up their life. Well you could, that'd be hilarious. But they probably wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't sign off on it.
0: Yeah, but I could say, Oh, you know, I'd love a chapter on this time when I went to the Bahamas and it was beautiful and there was this really nice beach and I had a massage and I thought about what I wanted to do with my life and it was like a really important moment. You could probably write that into you're a chapter. Not, you're
1: just not gonna get a six thousand word chapter out of that. Do chapters have to be six thousand words? it oh, would have to be about yeah. Unless that well. person was prepared for you to just invent everything. Mm.
0: That's the sort of ghostwriting I'd like to do.
1: <laughs> invent it, but, but that's called being a novelist. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> and that is very hard. <laughs> I work. see that. Um, so
0: one day I'd like to write a book. Any top tips for me for book writing?
1: Well, I, what's the process? I'm what do I need to, to do? This actor I love. Oh, I can't... Oh, this is so annoying. I'll tweet about it later. There's an actor who writes brilliant books mm. about the process of acting and of being on set. Yeah. And it's like a sort of a celebrity memoir, but much more about the actual things that happen on set rather than just gossip. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think you could do something like that brilliantly. It's sort of practical. It's like a sort of a behind-the-scenes... Which is about you and your, you see, I'm Me and my your life. agent here now, you and your life. Oh, I don't, I don't
0: know if I want to write necessarily about, like, a memoir, but something.
1: Oh, so well, you want to write something fictional then? Yeah, maybe. Well, but, but what would be the process? Well, I think... Come up with a great idea, obviously, but then... already engaging in the process by compiling your weekly poetry, oh, I would suggest.
0: Okay. Do you think I should do a poetry anthology? You
1: could, yes, publish a collection of your poems. I mean, I don't know if anyone would buy that. Would
0: they? Does it have to sell know. well? Is that what you think about when you write a book?
1: Well, it depends what your goals are. You know, some, pe- some people need to sell a book because that's what they're going to live on mm. to write it. And other people, you know, don't necessarily have to live off the proceeds of their writing. And I would suggest that if your poetry continues in a similar vein, then, well, you know, you'll, you'll never starve oh brilliant. you think I'll sell it I thought you were yes. going to say it
0: It will no. never be bought <laughs> Viv thank you so much for the compliments yeah. and thank you for coming on the show Viv uh, thank you Merry Christmas yay do follow her on Twitter check out her show at the St James's Theatre on Thursday the 22nd at 8pm and make sure you keep in touch with what she's up to she's a very brilliant lady check out her articles as well I will be back after Christmas ah oh, have a Merry Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and of course keep it Hoxton Radio <laughs> Games plus one. Thanks for listening to Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines. The show is originally recorded on Hoxton Radio and the podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, award-winning marketing for the arts. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com for more info. Don't forget, you could follow me on social medias at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash Samantha Baines on Facebook. Please subscribe and leave us a nice review.